Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Billy Grinham, the CMO of Choose Fitness. Billy is extremely passionate about improving everyday life through digital media. With 15 years of marketing expertise, working for top brands like Old Spice, Pepsi, and Taco Bell, he's learned how to humanize and raise brand awareness, push team members to realize their potential, and connect people to the things they care about the most. He's been described as a marketing rock star and creative mastermind who never backs down from a challenge. Today, Billy is the CMO of Choose Fitness, where he is transforming the gym into a full-fledged lifestyle brand and building the I Choose virtual platform. Billy, we are so excited to have you on the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Drew. Uh, I'm so excited to be here, and I did have a caveat. The rock star comment did not come from me. That was from somebody else, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> that's, that's from the community at large, man. That's, the, that's cool. the feedback that they're giving you, which is, is awesome. So uh, we, get, we touched just briefly on your background, but I'd love to hear from you. What were the series of events that led up to what you're doing? Yeah, no, great question. Um, it really started because I'm, I'm the son of Brian and Patricia Grenham. Um, they are fitness entrepreneurs. Uh, they built out um, a fitness club geared towards youth in Los Angeles for 35 years. So wow. health and fitness has always been ingrained in who I am, as well as growing a business in this category. Um, so growing up, you know, not only um, realizing the value of health and fitness, but just figuring out how to grow that business, how to market it, how to do some grassroots events. You know, that was just what we did as a family. Um, and me professionally, you know, over 15 years ago, I started my journey in marketing um, and PR for, for Old Spice and the Old Spice brand, which was an amazing opportunity to get to know um, just a target audience and a brand like Old Spice that just has an absolute bullseye target on who they're going after, you know, the dude, and really kind of embracing the nostalgia and the heritage of that brand. And I remember, you know, one of the first products that I worked on was like the tr traditional Old Spice scent, but they were launching it in a body wash. And on the back of the label, it said, if your grandfather didn't wear this, you wouldn't exist. You know, and I just <laughs> thought that was just such a very cool way to own your nostalgia, you know, and and for everything from packaging design to, you know, who they are to even their brand manual just really kind of oozed um, that target demo, uh, which was an amazing way to kind of get to learn branding and communication, et cetera. And then um, I took that experience and then I went to Pepsi um, in their natural beverages division, which was an amazing way to, again, get to know a different kind of group of, of, of consumers. And you know, those that were interested in more of the better for you life, you know, the, the cult that is, you know, the, the health enthusiasts, the coconut water drinkers, the naked juice drinkers. And sure. that was a, a great way to learn, you know, the finance behind uh, building a product, the supply chain, just the amazing metrics that goes into taking an idea and bringing it, you know, to a customer, you know, what that gets to be pulled off the shelf at a 7-Eleven. So really great kind of foundation in just branding overall. And then, you know, I got an opportunity of a lifetime to take that in the international realm for Taco Bell, which is a brand that I know and love here in Southern California. Um, and um, 
bring the Taco Bell brand to life into new cultures that you know aren't even really familiar what a taco is. So it's a, a really, really great um, experience to, to learn how to bring that to life through consumer insights and doing research and bringing, bringing idea across the globe and then bringing it to life through local insights and doing things that are globally consistent, but locally relevant. And that was just such a fun time of my life, building the brand and introducing it in Japan um, and doing all of the, the, the PR and the marketing and the building of, of the menu and working cross-functionally. And that's really like where I learned how to kind of collaborate from um, engineering, from finance, through supply chain to bring an idea to life. And it was just such a, a really great way to learn business and then to work for a brand that's just fun cutting edge, really pushing the envelope and unapolog unapologetic the way that they do it really set me up for success, you know? And I was just so happy when I got an opportunity after traveling the world for about five years, it kind of did weigh on my family a little bit. I have two little ones here and, you know, I was focusing a little bit too much on me and not enough on we, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that was something that was pretty hard hitting when, you know, you see your, your kids growing up on FaceTime. That's pretty sad, you know, and, and it sure. just made me miss them more. And I got a really unique opportunity again after the greatest experience with young brands and, and coming up in that system for five years. I ended up being the global director of marketing, um, traveling the world. But um, I got a call from this brand called Choose Fitness. And the way that they presented themselves to me was really unique in that they said that they are a hospitality company using fitness as a vehicle. And that really spoke to me um, on a couple of different levels and not just the fact that, you know, I could get into the fitness world, you know, where, you know, my family has their heart and soul, but being able to approach it from a hospitality perspective, from a guest perspective, guest centric perspective, which is where, you know, I was coming from, from, you know, the hospitality restaurant space and Taco Bell and to be able to marry those two and to do something truly unique in the fitness space was really exciting. You know, the, the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn even more, you know, and it sure. really starts at its core is operations and training operators to treat people with love, kindness, respect, get to know them at a personal level. Um, and so you're, you're really kind of leaving them in a better mental state than they got there, right? So it's the physical gains as well as mental gains. And along with, you know, just the fundamentals of being a hospitality oriented business is, you know, is cleanliness as well, right? And um, Choose Fitness was started by two families that had success in the restaurant industry. So they knew that, you know, it was a core pillar of, of cleanliness, hospitality, guest relations, being over the top with taking care of people. Yeah. And they saw a need. And this was over 12 years ago, they saw a need. And they started this business in San Diego and there was nothing else like it, you know, and they really kind of wanted to bring fitness to the world with treating people with respect and kindness and hospitality. And it was just new. And, and, and you know, me growing up in the industry, you know, like I understood that, that, you know, it tend to have um, a dirty reputation, right? Like not something that would be open for everybody, not something that would be um, non-intimidating and that's what they really wanted to do was just remove that mystery like take down that veil yeah. and open it to the masses and do it in a way that ingratiates themselves to communities you know and that's 
started about 12 years ago and it's grown to four states. We have about 300,000 members now. And these are, these are big boxes now, you know, so these are 35, 45,000 square feet. And we offer everything under the sun for a very low price. And that's the model. So it's high value, low pricing. So you can get into a Choose Fitness for $9.99 a month. And our amenities include um, pools, jacuzzis, hot tubs, steam, sauna. We have a cardio cinema in there, which is my favorite. It's um, it's a full movie theater, but instead of seats, we have cardio equipment. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So you can watch Godzilla and literally run away from him on a treadmill. You can use an elliptical or you can no. get on a bike. Yes. Yeah. And it just totally reinvents what cardio really is, which is, you know, kind of lackluster for some. So, you know, you can work out and do your cardio for over an hour and just get lost in this movie theater. And it's the greatest experience ever, right? It's something that Probably movie, literally movie never theaters should do this. Yeah. So that's that's the Choose Cinema, which is an amazing component, you know, and it's open to all members. But these are huge clubs, you know, so you have turf training, you have cycle studio, you have infrared yoga studio, you have group exercise, which are all these different communities, right? And they have all their different little cults and followings, and they all love their instructors, right? The instructors are the rock stars. So it's really fun to be able to promote that. And then the last key component, you know, that I'll talk to, and then, you know, then you can go ahead and ask a question. You're good. You're good. <laughs> is, it's great. Is the kids club. There's also a kids club where you can drop your kids off. And, you know, it's not as if they're, they're not in a holding pen. They're thriving. They're doing arts and crafts. There's mini turf areas. There's basketball courts. They even have their own little mini cinema as well. And you can drop your kids off there and you can go get a workout. You can grab a smoothie and then pick up your kid at the end. And it's just a, a beautiful way of going about looking at the fitness industry and that's you know the future of fitness for me my first question is do you have one in atlanta and if not why not not yet not yet but we're slowly making our way over there we're come slowly on. making our way over there come yeah. on that sounds amazing uh i've got so many questions this is this is gonna be a fun interview uh, so first uh, just logistically how do you offer that level of value yet keep the cost low so it's a volume play, right? So these are huge, huge um, establishments which can hold, you know, ten to fifteen thousand members. So um, the base is nine ninety nine, and then you know we're topping out at thirty nine ninety nine, which is available for twenty nine ninety nine now. But I mean, if you think of it and deconstruct just the studio and boutique studio business, you know, if you're getting involved with an infrared studio, you're paying over a hundred dollars, and maybe you're going there like four or five times a month. And you're only doing that, right? With our model, you can do that. And it's quality exercise and this is quality gym. And you know, it, it's all premium amenities, but you can also jump in the pool afterwards. You can also you know, take a, a kickboxing class, do some Zumba. And then we also have team training, which is a little bit more high intensity interval training where yeah. you know, you're on the, the tread inclines, you're doing like these different blocks. It's motivated by a coach. You're hooked up to your heart rate monitors. You're jumping on the road. The rowing machine and then you're, you're jumping on the trx bands and you're getting a full body workout and again yeah. if you're in that package it's 29.99 right now and you know we just wanted to offer this to the world and as many people as possible yeah it's an it's an when i tell people about this they they really question it you know and they they, they want to learn more but they just don't understand how this could happen right that's insane but i think this is really the future of fitness that's insane you because okay so i, I told you when we were talking uh previous to recording that 
fitness had changed my life. And so I've gotten to know that world just a little bit. And you, you, you have the cheap option of like a Globo gym kind of place where nothing is really high quality. You can't specialize hardly in anything. It's just machines and one person behind a desk and you just kind of figure it out. Or you pay for something like a box at a CrossFit gym or a Orange Theory or something like that. And you start paying hundreds of dollars a month for that kind of hit element. But you still don't have all the other things that you might go somewhere else for yoga. You might go somewhere else for a class outside of that venue, right? Or for recovery or something like that. So that's what's blowing my mind is that somehow for $30 a month, you are able to actually fit all of that into one space. And so it's just the volume that you guys have built the efficiency of the space to be able to have that many more members per location that it it takes care of that. Correct. And, you know, the beauty of it all is that the foundation and the core is operations that is insanely obsessed about hospitality, which is cleanliness, friendliness, you know, that. Um, that's a big gripe in the industry is, yeah. you know, just especially now, you know, you can't sacrifice on cleanliness and, you know, you can't sacrifice on a safe environment. Um, and that's what these big boxes do afford, especially in proper social distancing and all that, you know, and we've been able to kind of make these protocols and still keep open under, you know, lower capacities, which has been a challenge, but sure. it's also what creating these communities affords. Right. And, along with the cleanliness and hospitality is also, you know, like none of these machines are going to be out of use, right? Like it's, yeah. a, it's a sense of pride. And that's, what's great about working in a family business that comes from the hospitality realm. You know, this well, is something that they, it, it's part of their core. It's part of their DNA, which is why it, it's able to kind of infiltrate through everything that happens. Yeah. I'm curious. What's the biggest challenge of that model of that, not just of that model, but even of that, that vision and mission that like we are going to actually really, you know, double down on hospitality. And so what, what would be the biggest challenge of that? Yeah. So it's, it's certainly a cultural thing, right? So it has to start from within and it starts from day one of your training, you know, and they've, they've built out this really, really robust training process that really kind of understands how best you are going to work along with your teammates, as well as the members, you know, so they do a lot of work with the predictive index, you know, and match up people that are going to be working that that are going to be the perfect complement to them, you know, as they're working. And, you know, a fun little side effect of that is that we have, we have a lot of internal marriages from people that just met on the job (laughs) through these different personality traits that we knew would work together, you know, and wow. And even better side effect is that there's two babies out there, you know, that came to the world through this relationship that was built from, you know, just getting to know their psyche and knowing that they would be really good and compatible. And then when you have that, you know, the team is all rowing in the same direction and it's just such a, a really cool experience because you can feel it when you walk inside of a choose fitness right when you cross the threshold you're met with just this this warm welcome people are keying in on you know like what you're wearing they're talking about me me still trying to grow my mustache you know and this is all like little (laughs) little points to make you feel welcome right yeah we have over a million check-ins a month so that's probably three different opportunities within one of those check-ins. Like when you check in to greet them, make them feel valued and worth something when they're there, you interact with them and keep them motivated and keep them going. And then when you're, when they're leaving, you know, you congratulate them, you know, you celebrate them so that when they come out of the gym, they're beaming, 
you know, they're glowing and they're ready to share your brand with the rest of the world. And you put them in a better mental and physical space than they were, you know, an hour, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. And because of this model, like there is the recovery component. Like we have just hydro massage lounges. We have smoothie bars. People will come get a smoothie, jump, get a massage. And that is their gym experience for the day because that day they're practicing self-care, right? Yep. Because they want to make themselves feel better mentally as well as physically because they all work together. And that's something, you know, that we're really looking forward to promoting um, and highlighting the just different spa amenities that we offer for this. That's incredible. Uh, so one, just as a kind of uh, crazy aside, I, we, me and my business partner are actually certified in the predictive index as implementers. So we use it for our so business. You understand. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. I haven't heard that use case in a gym like that. I mean, this gym already is different on so many accounts, but it's really neat to hear that working in real life in that context is, is really inspiring. And for anybody listening, it takes uh, basically a behavioral profile matches against years of data around what a certain job and its requirements might require of a certain personality and which ones that's going to be really draining for and which ones might mesh really well with that certain uh, job detail and, and responsibility. Uh, so it makes a ton of sense once you start diving into it that this is not about judging anybody, but just saying, hey, some would really come to life in that environment. Some would be really challenged and drained in that environment. And so you guys are positioning well that way. Outside of that, in the early onboarding of somebody, outside of putting them in the right position, really matching it up to their wiring, what else have you seen be just a critical component to getting that culture and those values really right. sewn in early? Yeah, um, it starts rec at recruitment. So it, it really mm -hmm. starts even before you are a team member or even before you're working with Choose. So you fill out your assessment when you fill out your application and you send in a resume. You know, So that's when like the assessment really begins. And then you're kind of threaded throughout the whole onboarding process to, you know, your strengths, you know, or where they think that you're going to be great, whether it's, you know, in, in leadership, just team member, whether it's operations or even maintenance, you know, like whatever is your passion and where you can go. And then throughout the process, that's when you're kind of meshed up, you know, strategically with those, those, po those folks that are going to be your perfect components, you know, wow. so even when you're onboarded, that pre-work has already been done by choose leadership because they know who's coming down the pipeline and they know who's going to react better. They know who's going to be the perfect component, right? If this is an introvert, we need that extrovert up there. You know, they're going to be, they're going to mesh well. Um, and it's really kind of started from recruitment and then threaded throughout the onboard process. And then also just in the day-to-day -day tasks of labor management, you know, so it's an intentional look at the predictive index throughout the whole life cycle of a member, you know, and as they grow yeah. within the company and it's really yeah. giving them the best shot at success. Do you guys do anything um, on an ongoing basis or how do you think about an ongoing basis uh, protecting and promoting that culture? So there's the beginning people coming in with the right headspace, being put in the right position, but then just as you're leading people who've been in the, in the business a year, two years, three years, are you making sure to celebrate certain things when you see it? Are you, you know, reviewing and challenging things. If someone starts acting out of the values, that kind of thing, how do you think yeah. about maintaining that healthy culture? Yeah. So there's, there's constant check-ins, right. Um, and leadership has been trained to, to, to kind of, to seek out when, you know, a team member may be underperforming or even overperforming, right. So it's not just a negative, like when, when something is awry, because if somebody's over indexing, that's amazing, you know, and, and you're setting yourself up for, for promotion, for growth, for, for more responsibility. So 
Um, it's constant check-ins, it's constant communication. And, you know, in the past year, that's been, you know, one of our, our worries as, as the lights dimmed on the category in general, as, as capacity constraints kind of uh, made people feel unsure about, you know, the future of the business, as some gyms did have to close, you know, in, in California. Um, how do we keep that culture intact? And, you know, that's something that we're still very hypersensitive about because this brand is so high touch, you know, and, and high touch always balanced with hard work, you know, and that's, mm. you know, I'm going to represent for my CEO here because, you know, we are about the soft skills. It's about kindness, respect, and love, but it's also about hard work. Um, and it takes courage to be kind after an eight hour shift, after you just, you know, scrubbed underneath a urinal because you know cleanliness is a core pillar, you know, and then you have to sure. go chit chat with a member. So um, we always want to balance that. And, you know, our, our internal motto is, you know, kindness is a core strength. And we want, you know, to promote that and let people know that we know it takes work, you know, and we don't want you to be surface level about it, you know, and that's something that has really been a rallying cry internally. Take me into your focus there at Choose Fitness with the marketing element of it. What is what does that entail for you right now? What is your focus on? Yeah. So currently it's about promoting healthy lifestyles, right? Uh, and the importance of keeping yourself healthy now more than ever, ever <clears throat> physically and mentally. And approaching every situation and every member and every member segment with empathy and knowing that it's a very difficult time for people, um, whether you're continuing on your fitness journey or you've chosen to to, to freeze your account, you know, just because sure. you're, you're unsure and, and you're uncertain of what tomorrow brings. That's why we not only want to, you know, promote our core pillar, which is cleanliness and hospitality, you know, and taking people, taking care of people and creating that non-intimidating environment for those that want to come into the club. We also want to create um, an experience that lives outside of the club that also celebrates physical fitness. And that's why we launched um, I choose and, and I choose fitness, which is um, a physical fitness platform, but also um, takes care of you mentally. So we, we're balancing um, team training and group fitness and yoga also, you know, with breathing techniques and meditation, and then offering that, you know, if you're not a member, it's just $5.99 a month. But for our, our, our top tier membership plan, which is the more membership, it's folded into your membership. So it's free. And that really allows us to kind of keep not only keep our community together, but it allows the Choose Fitness brand to be ever present in a 24 hour cycle, right? So it's way beyond just the brick and mortar approach of a gym. When, you know, we hope you come in, we, we can see your check-in data, we can predict when you're gonna come in next. This is always on, you know, and this is for friends and family. This is in your living room. We have live wow. sessions, we're celebrating, we do bilingual, we're having, you know, um, bilingual um, classes for uh, Cinco de Mayo coming up. So um, it's a really great way to kind of not only grow your brand, but retain the current base, especially now where it's just a time of uncertainty and you have to be empathetic towards it. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. I want to just pull on your marketing expertise uh, while we have you. So you talked about growing your brand. I'm curious, what were some of the key things you took from, you know, Old Spice, Pepsi, Taco Bell, all those different projects you were on that has helped you now in your understanding of how to grow a brand, how to connect with an audience, how to, how to get your message across. Uh, I know that's a broad question, but I just want to start that conversation and say, what are, what are some of those things you've taken from that experience 
and brought into what you're doing now and into your thinking about marketing? Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And I, I love that question because it always comes from your purpose and your values. Um, and the movements have to be born from within. And it reminds me of a piece of advice I got from the young CEO, Greg Creed at the time, which was the customer experience should never exceed that of a team member. And if you're really focusing in on that, then you're understanding that what goes on behind the scenes impacts what goes on in front of the scenes even more than you could ever fathom. You know, and that's where, you know, if you're acting on your principles or acting on your values and your purpose, you really can't go wrong because that's who you are and that's your culture. So that's, you know, the different elements that I've picked up, you know, from the different brands that I've worked on and really tried to celebrate here at Choose, which is all about family, literally, you know, and figuratively and taking care of people through hospitality and kindness and really kind of utilizing the team members to be the tips of the arrow when, you know, we're, we're promoting anything, you know, sure. they are the biggest brand ambassadors. They are the life of the brand. They are the ones that exude that spirit. You know, we know who they are. We know how they think. Why aren't they the ones to carry our message? So, you know, building kind of internal communication channels that enable my team to impact operations, either like in a campaign way or an always on way has been breakthrough. You know, we've been utilizing technology that allows us to even kind of reward member behavior that we see on social media. We can drop notes into our POS that notifies our team members to make sure that this member has a coffee when she's waiting, when she's done with her swim at 5 a.m. because she posted a photo that said the only thing better than this would be a coffee right now. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so again, having your ear always to the ground and, you know, listening on social media and, and taking a look at the analytics and just being uh, just customer obsessive yeah. has definitely been, you know, like what I've taken from Pepsi and of course, Taco Bell and Yum Brands, and then trying to activate it in a really kind of cool, unique way in the fitness world. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is starting with creating raving fans that you, that you really see that direct inter intersection between the product, the people who are delivering the product, your employees, whatever, and the end consumer's experience of that product, them turning into another source of ambassadors who are telling their friends about it, who are not only coming back as a lifetime customer, but are then naturally going and bringing others in. Is that what you're speaking to right now? Absolutely, and, and those are the folks that they're not bu just buying the brand, they're buying into the brand. Yeah. And that is like the best way to think about it too. And every, every time you interact with one of these members, your customers, you have the opportunity to make a customer for life, you know, and they don't have to be the Kim Kardashians of the world. They don't have to have a million followers. Most times, you know, smaller is better because it's, it's, it's in your purview, right? It's yeah. in your social sphere and it really impacts communities. And that's what we're all about. And that's what we're trying to do one member at a time. So let's, let's, uh, I want to spin it on its head just a little bit to take another angle. So right now we're talking about somewhat of an established business that is in, that is already dealing with customers, providing a, a you know five star experience. But let's go to your time where you went overseas and you were in a new culture that hadn't even heard of Taco Bell, and you're having to do that initial stage of mar marketing, which is uh, educating and motivating. Like, how do you even yep. know we exist? And then how do I even get you to be interested in trying out our product? Can you speak to that process a little bit? What could a business owner listening right now who's like, I need to just get my first customers. I need to, 
get my brand known and get people to even try it out. What did you learn about that? Do the research. Um, so we were on the ground. We were doing consumer focus groups. We were having our core customers try the product, tell us what they liked about the product, tell us what they know about the brand. And there's a specific example in Japan where we had showed them some of our advertising and it quite frankly was a turnoff because it, it was seen in their culture as disrespectful. Uh, so we knew we had to kind of dial back some of that, you know, unapologeticness of the brand from a, a marketing and communications perspective, but then also understand the nuance of how they operate and how they consume food. Um, everything from different spice levels to what is going to get their hands dirty. And there was one experience where, you know, we were, we were um, serving them nachos and we served it to, you know, our focus group and they pretty much just pushed it back. They said, this is too chaotic. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> this is going to get my fingers dirty. I want nothing to do with this. And so we took that, that information and then re-engineered deconstructed nachos and then just gave them a pile of chips and then almost like a bento box, put all the toppings next to them in clear order. And then they picked up the chip and then they applied their own topping and they ate it and they loved it. Wow. And it was such an eye-opening experience, right? And that's just cultural nuance that you would never know, you would never understand. They actually the liked time. the product, but needed to get to the product in a different way. Loved it. Yep. Wow. Loved it. And, and then I and imagine without, if you're serving nachos like in the Middle East, it's the opposite because the, the time I spent in the Middle East, they love using their hands and they love absolutely food mixes together and all that kind of stuff, right? Everything is by everything is with the hands. Yeah. And it, and they enjoy the chaos of that. Yeah. Whereas in the Japanese culture, that's very much a turnoff and very, very much chaotic. And, you know, traditionally that would take about six to, to eight weeks to figure out, you know, through your analytics that these aren't selling. And then you would have to kind of do some troubleshooting, release the surveys, et cetera. But we were able to kind of get on the ground floor and do that type of research. And, you know, when you do that type of research and then couple it with the social monitoring, the social listening, seeing what time people are getting hungry, seeing who, if there's any knowledge of the brand whatsoever, and then using that as an in to really kind of blow the doors off. And there was two examples. There was one where um, four years ago, there was a DJ who said, who originally from Southern California said, I wanna be the first person to bring Taco Bell to Tokyo. So I literally reached out to this person and I said, guess what's happening? We're coming, would you wanna DJ our party for a grand opening event? Wow. And he said, he's like, I'm on board. He's like, I'm so on board. I'm also gonna give you one of my hip hop groups. So. The way that we, we opened in Japan was um, on, in our basement, which is technically our first, first floor, we had a hip hop concert. And for the first 100 people that showed up to opening day, they got access to a hip hop show later that night at like 5.30. So people camped out overnight. It was an event, you know, people brought tents just to be part of something bigger than them, just to be yes. part of something that they could post on social media, you know, just to make it bigger than just a, a brand from California coming into town, this was a social event, you know? And so people camped out and they were given high fives when they saw each other, like at the, at the hip hop show later that evening, we all gave them t-shirts that were numbered one through 100. They were chest bumping and they created instant memories with the brand that wasn't there eight hours before. Right. 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 And now, you know, and they have anniversaries to celebrate now, you know, and like there's like a, a day in the calendar where they'll come back and wear their t-shirts and that's something to celebrate because 
you gave them the opportunity to go above and beyond and they will if you do wow man so uh, two themes that are, are jumping out to me right now is everything you've done you've been willing to go above and beyond which right. i think that just we can't highlight that enough uh whether it's the the, the consumer's uh interaction with the product or over the top if we're going to do an event let's do an event uh right. but then the second is you you're doing a lot of testing assumptions right so in that initial consumer insights like we can't overestimate the amount of assumptions all of us make on a daily basis and it seems like when you do your homework when you do your research you're able to test some of those assumptions well we just assumed they'd be okay using their hands then we realized they don't want to use their hands so now right. glad we know that right um but, but what i'm curious about is are have you found any almost hacks and, and, and what i mean by that is like budget-friendly ways for somebody to get consumer insights right let's say they can't they don't have the budget of a Taco Bell to do focus groups and, you know, mm -hmm. some costly ways of gathering insights. Are there any ways we could use Google? Are there any ways just through some sweat equity that you could learn more about your customer to better serve yeah. them? Yeah, no, great question. Um, and it was one of my favorite parts of the job is that, you know, I lived like a local. So I would go into these local neighborhoods and I would try to understand what life is like through the lens of our core customer, whether it's, um, a college student, a young professional, et cetera, and see how they live, see how they work, see how food um, interacts with their life. Is it grab and go? Is there time in the morning? What is it like in on, on the train commuting from A to B? How hard is it to lock your bike up at the local university? And then, you know, come to, come to market with solves for that, you know, and, and utilize that as an opportunity to showcase your brand again in a unique way. And that was how, you know, we figured out how we promoted on bike seats, bike seats um, in the Netherlands because in the Netherlands, you know, there's like five bikes to every one person, right? So we, we created unique bike covers. We created bells that were in the shape of tacos. So there was taco bells and everybody was promoting us, you know, when they didn't even know who we were before we got into town because bike culture is just so huge in the Netherlands. And it really kind of yeah. opens your eyes to the challenges. and it was a really simple way uh, strategically to kind of go about learning local insights by quite simply living like a local, right? And seeing the challenges that they go through beyond just your brand, you know? And that's how you become more than just a product. You become a brand, right? When you're ingratiating yourselves into the communities, you're coming to communities with solves beyond just affordable tacos and this really cool lifestyle. It is a fun way to kind of get to know your core customer. So cool. Oh man, that's amazing. Uh, man, what's clear to me is that you are passionate about marketing and passionate about bringing brands to life and passionate about connecting with the consumer. Wh why do you think that is? Where, do, where does that come from? What, what grabs you about that? I'm just a people person, you know, and I, I love getting to know people and getting to know different cultures from the inside out was like, it's such a gift. You know, it was such a gift to learn that and learn that process and to be able to take that and apply it here in a health and wellness environment, you know, like that, again, it's just such value add and to give people motivation to get to a gym or to, to learn how to use a treadmill, you know, and like, that's what we really wanna make this platform and this business model open to everybody, you know, and a lot of our demographics skews a little bit more female than male. And it is just where the, the setting is, but you can also, you know, there's Olympic weights everywhere but you can also learn how to get on a treadmill and take baby steps. So, I mean, I'm just really excited about getting to know our customer and always just kind of push beyond, 
you know, and, and, and keep the, keep the brand relevant, keep, keep the brand new yeah. and fire up my team and inspire my team to identify opportunities. And last year, you know, we really wanted to create a community event. So we launched a country show, a country, a country concert inside one of our gyms in Colorado, because we knew that that local talent was trending because we were listening on social. So we brought that talent in and had a free concert and just blew people's minds. You know, we had a radio station there. We had some PR, we threw some other stuff at it. But again, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, choose fitness. This brand's doing something different, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're zigging when everyone's zagging, you know, and like, this, this category is just so ripe for disruption. And if you do it in, an, in a genuine way, it's such a value add for a community. And it's so fun to do. Yeah. So the core of your passion about it is being a people person, adding value to people's lives. I, I, I'm always curious where that stuff comes from. I know, I know there's nature. I also know there's nurture. And it's some combination of the two, right? That there's some stuff that kind of came almost pre-wired. But then there's powerful influences and people and stuff that have maybe sewn in and shaped stuff. When you look back, where did some of this stuff do you think come from? This value for people, this even over-the-top thinking, like being willing to be almost uh, gener like don't, generous isn't the word, but like extravagant. Uh, right. Where do you think that comes from in the nurture side of it? Yeah, um, definitely with with my parents and, and growing up. So I grew up in, in California, but I'm originally from uh, Brooklyn, New York. And they are like New Yorkers through and through. And when we infiltrated the Southern California scene, you know, New Yorkers would seem like almost almost too much, right, with their personality. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was just autopilot, you know, and that's who I was. And that that's what I did. And when I, I grew up in Brooklyn, I also did like some acting as well, because I just wanted to share that, you know, and it was so fun to be in this environment and to see, you know, how people were just a little bit more reserved from that just traditional kind of New York style and, and, and New York way of, of going about communicating that I really kind of took that and threaded it throughout all that I do. Um, wow. And, you know, again, I've been so fortunate to work with this, these billion dollar brands that have just the absolute best leaders on planet Earth and to pick their brain and to travel with them and you know to go overseas with these leaders and see how they do things see what the foundations that they that they um, put on the ground was just such a, a beautiful way to kind of marry the two because I was always hungry you know and I was always asking for more responsibility and I was always asking for more that once I established that trust with my leaders they just gave it to me and then as a good leader does they just got out of the way so it was really kind of yeah. Speak, speak. Maybe even whether it's that point or another one. But my my first question was, what makes them great leaders? Right? It's it it's it's a rare thing to have gotten access to to great leaders. Unfortunately, uh, yep. what in your mind made made some of those those men and women great leaders? Uh, passion and empathy, really, um, really loving what they do and who they do it for. Mm. Um, and when when that comes out naturally it naturally attracts the talent because people want to know why and people want to know more, you know, and that's, that's really what, what I'm trying to kind of carry on with the choose brand. And, you know, it's the perfect marriage for, you know, the company that they've built, which is just all about treating people with respect and kindness and hospitality and hard work. But the leaders that, you know, I've worked with in, in young brands and Pepsi, they're so passionate about what they do and they're so empathetic about who they do it for and not just the end consumer. It's really just the internal organization that it inspires people to go beyond. 
Wow. And then once you do go beyond, they get out of the way, you know, and I can remember um, my, uh, the vice president of Taco Bell and another kind of guerrilla marketing tactic that I did in Tokyo was um, since we knew that they were um, very passionate about all things Southern California, Southern California culture, Hollywood, Disneyland, surfers. I put on a wetsuit and I put our messaging on a surfboard and I walked around the streets of Tokyo. <laughs> and I walked around the streets of Tokyo and then I walked back to our restaurant, you know, and I had these like herd of people following me and then media were following me. And I can specifically remember our vice president was in a taxi and he was going to the airport and he saw me on a corner in Tokyo wearing a wetsuit with this surfboard that said, you know, like follow me to Taco Bell. And he just yelled, go, Billy, go, you know, and I was just so, and I was like, you, you know, this, you know, it, you know, and it, it was so inspiring to me and that he created that environment that allowed me to thrive and go way, way beyond. And that he knew enough to just get out of the way, you know, and yeah. just encourage it. And it was just yeah. such a, such a beautiful place to innovate, right? Because when you take away the fear of failure, beautiful things can happen because when you do fail, that's an opportunity to iterate. And when you iterate enough, you, you iterate to innovation. Yeah, man, that is so, so inspiring. And I, I think what it highlights in my mind is the overemphasis we often place on things like IQ. Like we just, right. we think that the best leaders can be the smartest person has all the answers and research really hasn't been kind to that answer. You know, research seems to indicate that things like EQ, emotional intelligence, is actually a better predictor of leader ability and IQ matters up to a point. Like it's kind of got to, you got to kind of be in the sure. game, right? Yep. You have, you got to have the right table skill. Stakes. Table yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then the differentiator are mm -hmm. things like you mentioned, passion, empathy, even a, so self-awareness that I need to get out of this kid's way and let mm -hmm. him shine and not be threatened by that. Uh, but cheer it on. Those are all EQ kinds of things. Have you seen mm -hmm. that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that I think is what really attracted people to these leaders to, to, to want to learn more, right? To understand how you could get to where you are and be the way that you are in that, you know, these are the smartest minds in the business, but they would, you know, come and meet you wherever you were emotionally or physically to have a heart to heart, right? Because wow. you matter, because you matter and really, look at you when they're talking to you and listen to you when you're speaking, right? And, and, and not be too preoccupied and really give you the sense of time because then that translate in, translates into self-worth and then that translates into confidence, right? And that's, and it came naturally, you know? And again, like that's just, that, that's, that's who they are. Um, and it just, it really kind of, it was infectious, you know, and that's what I want for my team. And that's, you know, that's the environment that I, I always want to, to create. Man, that actually just convicted me. I'll be honest with you in the, in the moment. I just had a memory of a few months ago passing by one of our interns that I could tell he wanted, he wanted my attention for a second. And I was I like, we have, we don't have as much time in person together. So when we do, I'm usually one meeting after the other. Right. And I made some time for him, but I'll just be honest. I just got convicted in that moment going like, I should have sat my ass down and yeah. spent like, not just a little bit of time. Cause I did, I asked him what he was doing for the day and whatever, but like, I could have, I could have 
handle that moment better. So this is, this is really, <laughs> this is helpful. Yeah, no, I have so many examples of that. And like, I, I can remember, you know, the president of Taco Bell International, her name's Melissa Laura. She would come down, you know, and she'd always just poke her head in, in our office and just ask how things are going. What's, what's up with you? Like what's going on personally? And I remember, you know, Taco Bell, like the internal culture is amazing. You know, and there's creators running around everywhere. They're, you know, their social team is always up to something. And it's very co collegiate, you know, and, and my office was set up, it was almost very dorm-like in that there was there a beanbag chair over here, a very uncomfortable chair over there. And I remember she would come in and she would sit in the what I knew was a very uncomfortable chair just so she could give <laughs> me her time, you know? Yeah. And like, it, it, I remember it vividly and, and, you know, like it happened yesterday and she would do that just to get closer, you know, and just to understand a little bit more and to be a part of it and to know you know, she's not just just checking in. This isn't just like an email. This is something like wanting to get to know you personally. Yeah. And it's, you know, something I'll never forget. It's a beautiful. Timely reminder for me. Uh, one last question before we, we dive into the lightning round and, and I'll let you get back to your day. Uh, but you're such a positive person. You have such a high energy. Even even when I just said, hey, man, how are you doing? You said, I, I, I literally can't complain or something like that. Yeah. And I felt like you meant it. Some people say that and I felt like you meant it. Do you yeah. have a bad day? And if you have a bad day, how do you get back to, to your center? Yeah, I, I try not to, to be honest with you, because, you know, and, you know, I'm going to show a photo here because we are on video, but, you know, I try to live for the little ones yeah. in my life and always try to set that example and know that there's greater things at play here. Right. Um, and I remember um, professionally when I was, I was at Pepsi one day. And I had, I just had a bad day, you know, and it was something that I took really personally. And I think it was like a creative mistake that was on packaging and it was terrible. And one of the creative, creative director pulls me aside and he saw that I was, you know, I was wearing it. And he just said, you know what, Billy, it's just juice, you know? And that really kind of reframed things <laughs> and put life in perspective. But for me, you know, like right now, I just think of my kids, you know, I think of Emerson and I think of Liam and I think of creating this really great community that they're going to grow up in, you know, and hopefully choose fitness is wherever they are when they grow up and they're a part of that community as well. But um, it's really that kind of balance of family. And I just feel really lucky. You know, I think looking back at my experience, I was able to kind of create this path that allowed me to just get to know different leaders and the different way that, that they thought and the different ways that they brought brands to life. And I just feel really fortunate, you know, to balance that with, with family life too. It's hard to have a bad day when you put life in perspective. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's, it's perspective. So man, that is super cool. Super cool. All right. Lightning round questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'd use, I'd use my deep voice for that. Are you ready? Uh, question number one. If you could ingrain one message into the entire Choose organization, what would it be? Life begins when you're out of your comfort zone. Um, it was something that was taught to me earlier in my career, and it, it oh, is was, really what kind of shaped my trajectory, to be honest with you. Um, job description is great. That'll get your foot in the door. But going beyond is, is where growth happens. Come on. I love that. That's not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be something about uh, taking care of the customer. So I like that answer. Well, you never know. That might cut up. That might come up later. Yeah. Yeah. 
Number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing a business? And what was the worst? There it is. It's definitely what I talked about earlier, but being consumer centric and making sure that movements come from within and, and, and culture is exuded through your team members. So, I mean, the quote is from Greg Creed, uh, the customer experience should never exceed that of a team member because the life of the brand has to happen behind the scenes so it can kind of exude itself into, into the world, you know, through your members, through your team members, through um, the community, through your customers. And then, you know, that's when you start this the circle of good. Um, and that's what we're able to do um, at Taco Bell. That's what we're doing here at Choose. And, you know, you can see it on social media, you know, like people are fired up when they leave these gyms and these clubs. And it's not, you know, just the Olympic trainers, like I said, it's everybody, it's just looking for a better way and looking to get on a, a, a healthy track. I love that. I love movements come from within and the circle of good. Those are, those are cool uh, kind of ideological catchphrases. What about the worst advice? Does anything come to mind or something maybe you've heard in industry uh, passed around that you just really disagree with? Just working in silos, I believe, you know, earlier in my career before these brands, I, I worked in a company that was just very siloed off. Um, and it was very hard to kind of to cross collaborate. And I think that was one of the greatest benefits of working in Pepsi and working with Taco Bell and even in Choose Fitness is that cross collaboration um, is absolutely necessary. You know, it's not a, it's not a nice to have. And again, this is how you grow professionally and become a better leader because you're able to speak intelligently on different functions that impact the overall business. So it's not just um, owning the financials and speaking the numbers, which is critically important, not just looking at the PL and kind of dissecting that, you know, and, and learning how the business operates, but it's being able to come from a place of empathy when you speak to operations and especially from a marketing perspective. And if there's any marketers listening out there, ingratiate yourself to your operators, you know, and it mm. makes life a lot easier. Um, and we built something I called Como, the coalition of marketing and operations to get things done, you know, because without that collaboration, these are just fun ideas that'll never be properly executed. So bringing yeah. people in on the idea allows them to be a stakeholder so that it's executed flawlessly. So good. Okay. Question number three, what causes you the most worry or stress with your role in the organization? I think with what we're just going through right now is, um, is keeping the culture intact, you know, and I think that's a, a shared challenge for many brands right now, but for a brand like ours, that is so high touch that um, prides itself on, you know, the human interaction. And what do you do when that's, that's taken away? What do you do when your team is remote? How do you, how do you rally against that and, and still exude that culture that, you know, it's, it's intangible, right? It's something that you feel and it's hard to do over Zoom, you know, and, and, and people do suffer from Zoom fatigue. And, you know, I tell my team like now you're, you're able to turn that camera off more often than not. And it's up to you because I respect you and you don't have to be on camera for every meeting and every time we talk. So figuring out, you know, the balance and keeping the culture intact right now and keeping people motivated, keeping people positive, you know, in a brand that exudes kindness, the, the antithesis of that is, a, is delusionment, is, is cynicism, right? So keeping people motivated and keeping people on ta task and allowing them to kind of get back into the clubs and get on the ground floor. And that's what I tell my teams, you know, that really kind of invigorates you to do better work because you see people out there day in and day out 
that are making it happen from a team member perspective, but then also the members. I love that. I love that you give people the option to turn the camera off. I've had to ask that permission from my own team for a few times where I'm like, I'm not leading the meeting. Let's say it's like a sales meeting or something. And I've been on all zoom all day. I'm like, is there any way I can just turn this off? I promise I'm listening, but I, I, one time I just needed to lay down, like stretch my back. Like, can I just, like, you. can I just stretch my back? Like while I'm listening to this. Uh, so I love that you're, you're giving people that permission. That's awesome. I'm with you. I, I totally understand. That's, that's just the way life is now. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. Question number four, what is your current BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? Honestly, it's to take over the world and to allow kindness to be a global trend, you know, kindness and hard work and, you know, the balance of those two and making sure that um, all that we do is, is, is consumer centric focus, but allowing kindness to rule the day. Heck yeah. Um, Okay. Last question is a fun, creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean go back to the past and tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window. When would you go back and what would you tell your younger self? That is a great question. I'm sure you get a lot of people saying buy Bitcoin, right? Oh yeah. Well, I made that one illegal. I'm like, we can't. Okay. Good, that's good, good, good. Yeah, that's not it. Um, but it will be kind of like in investment and personal investment and investing in yourself, in your career and knowing just from an investment perspective that Mm. time in the market will always be timing the market, right? And knowing that your career is a path and that path, when you align with the right organizations and leaders becomes a trajectory. And when the closer you get into those leaders, the steeper the slope is for that trajectory. So my advice, you know, is, don't go after it unless it's worth something that is worth pursuing. And I mean, when you're timing the market, it's tough, right? You're going after title. You're going after things that you know are salary driven. But if you set yourself up for success, that will come to you. Man, this has been gold, man. This, is, this has probably been one of my favorite podcast interviews all year. Really? Um, yes. But you're... Yeah, you're just kind of your heart, your spirit, but also your wisdom. I mean, even just that gym, time in the market is always better than timing the market. I'm just writing right. down things furiously. Uh, so, buddy, Love thank it. you so much for making time in your busy schedule to be on the podcast. Share your story. Share the story of Choose Fitness uh, and, and, and what you guys are up to in the world. And like I said, please come on over to the East Coast. Uh, I'm Love excited it. to see that expand. Definitely. Well, thank you for having me on, and let's let's stay connected. For sure. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.